Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Hello and welcome to the It's All Cobblers to Me preview show. Yes, I am Charles. Danny is away. But don't worry, I'm here to look ahead to this week's game at the Brea Group Stadium, that feels wrong, it's Brisbane Road to me and you, between Leighton Orient and the Cobblers. To help me do that, I'm joined by Paul Levy from the Orient Outlook podcast. How are you, Paul? You're well, mate? Good, thanks, Charles. Thanks for having me on. Very well indeed. How about yourself? Yeah, very good. Very pleased to have you back. I think we were on a few couple of years ago, the last time yeah, we were in a while. League Two. Um, lots of stuff has obviously happened uh, between then and now. Um, but let's start back in the summer, if we can. Um, you guys appointed Kenny Jacket in what all of us on the pod basically went straight away and went, your favourites to go up then. <laughs> <laughs> Were you guys of the same mindset before the season started? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, to get a marquee name like Kenny Jacket to come down the leagues to to League Two, it was quite some coup uh, and we're very fortunate. So you can imagine the, I can well, I can imagine that people's betting apps were like uh, rampant with uh, automatic promotion bets and top scorer bets and so on and so forth. But, you know, bringing a dose of reality back, we genuinely thought at that particular time that we would, uh, that we would be at the lowest seventh but probably more second or third, maybe even with a good dose of luck and injury-free and red card and, and yellow cards on the minimum. Um, we actually thought, I guess, that, that we could be going up this season. We'd recruited players that actually we had as fans question marks because obviously we don't know all the players that the the club brings in before they've brought them in. And we had strikers that had arguably not the best 
records, if you like, with Harry Smith and Aaron Drynan. A lot of fans were like, what are we signing these players for? Look at their stats. But like we said on our podcast, you've got to see them play in a Kenny Jacket system in a Leighton Orient shirt to be able to really judge them because you don't know what's gone on at previous clubs. You know, we're not experts on every single player, the thousands of players that float around uh, the football leagues these days. Although there's a lot of tech and tools out there to help you do that, you don't really know what goes on behind the scenes so much unless you're a fan at the club. Um, and, and as it turns out, you know, Harry Smith is... And both Aaron Dry and Aaron Drynan as well, both in the sort of top scorers, thirteen and twelve goals respectively. So twenty five goals between them, you know that doesn't go in line with their previous stats. So it just goes to show you. But um, yeah, it, it was a brilliant, brilliant start to the season. I think one of our grumbles actually uh, midway through the first sort of third was about the amount of draws that we were getting rather than wins. Either we were coming back from losing positions and drawing, which is fine, but actually being in winning positions and drawing. Or, or, or not seeing games out, so <clears throat> excuse me. So we had um, we had a lot of chat around that um, as well. We you know we didn't get a great deal of wins under Kenny, although the wins that we did get were were pretty decent uh, to be fair as well. So yeah, a bit of a mixture uh, of a start to the season, but it has to be said, yeah, we were very much in the uh, thought process that yeah, this is going to be our promotion season. Yeah, I mean, literally, I mean, you said it there, it was a huge coup to get a man like Kenny Jacket uh, down to Leighton Orient, down into League Two. You know, I mean, there, there's a guy that has done tremendous work in, you know, the right end of League One and then in the Championship as well. I mean, I was basically just sort of going, well, this is ridiculous. You've quite clearly thrown a wad of money at this guy and, and said, look, you, you must live fairly close. Most of his clubs are, you know, Millwall, of course, being the most obvious one for, for Kenny Jacket, um, being there for so long. I mean, I, I was looking at, and then, and then as you say, the players that you were signing, I mean, the obvious one to go for is Harry Smith that we know incredibly well. He spent two years at Sixfields, never really got, I felt the rub of the green because, Essentially, I never felt like Keith Curl played to his strengths at all. And I think most Cobblers fans would probably agree with that. He was used far too much as a, a target man that the ball was just lumped up to all the time, rather than being the type of player where you were looking to just get the ball into the box for him to then be a bit of a poacher, both in the air and uh, with his feet. But it was amazing at the start of the season to see those players coming in, Kenny Jacket coming in, and and you guys were, you know, you were you were doing really well, or at least your front two were, because that was the thing for me. I I kept sort of seeing you were you were going and winning games. So for example, if we just go back to um, here, I'm looking through your fixture list now and trying to find a couple that that stand out right at the very beginning of the season for you. And three nil. Yeah, I mean, there's there's three nil against four nil against Oldham, and okay, that's Oldham. That's they uh, done yeah. too well. But four nil in in all right in the FA in the Football League trophy. But there was some, you know, we beat Hartlepool five nil. Yeah, um, Sutton four one. You know, they were they were not you know Tranmere four nil in the second round of the cup. Swindon four one just before Christmas. You know, we were very much in a situation where at times we were free scoring and playing some utterly brilliant football. And I think I think the downfall of Kenny Jack, he, he, he clearly lost the dressing room 
Um, and to your point a moment ago about Harry Smith, he was the ball was just being lumped up to him. And yes, all right, he's six foot five, he's a tall boy, um, but not all tall guys are good at jumping or that, that aerial. And actually, he's got really good quick feet. And it, it was better, we were doing better when the ball was played into his feet. And he had opportunity that way when he was being serviced like that. So, yeah, it, it, it's a strange one how we just sort of turn to just lump it up to to Harry. And, you know, you could tell that the confidence in the players had gone because they were just lumping it forward, trying not to get caught out by making a mistake, just get rid of the ball and, and get it out and up, up the field. Yeah. But then we'd eventually turn over possession and we'd be on the back foot seconds later. So It sounds... Very reminiscent to Northampton Town in League One under Keith Curl. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I do think it's maybe something that clubs and teams, I should say, at this low down level, and we're sort of talking the bottom half of League One and then pretty much the majority of League Two. I mean, essentially, you know, we haven't got world beaters necessarily in our teams. And if we do, then it's one every decade that you that comes along and surprises you and you know they end up getting sold to a much bigger club fairly quickly but you never have a whole team that is just full of world beaters and so therefore things like just lumping it forward they're kind of the go-to they're almost the fallback option for any footballer at this kind of level it's one of those things I guess that we just have to almost kind of frustratingly put up with while we're in League Two. Absolutely agree with you. I think one of the other things as well, um, the positive with Kenny Jacket was was that he went with high-caliber, highly technical players compared to the usual League Two level. And I think because of that, they came at a much bigger cost. You know, the likes of Paul Smith, Smythe Smith, however you pronounce it, he spells it with a Y, uh, from QPR. You know, unfortunately, he's suffered with a lot of injuries with us this season. But when he is on form and he is on, you know, he's he's in the flow. He's unbelievably good. Took far too good for League Two level. We managed to lure Omar Beckles from League One, uh, a defender Darren Prattley away from Charlton. He'd been playing in the Championship not two seasons ago, League One last season. You know, so we we and Lawrence Vigaru um, had re-signed with us, so we managed to keep him and you know sprinkle that with the Tom Jameses. Um, the kind of words and, and, and a sprinkling of others, you know, we had the makings, of, you know, a core side, a core eleven that was really, really solid and could beat anyone on their on their best day. Then, unfortunately, you know, with respect to Kenny, he, he lost key players. We lost Craig Clay, we lost Tom James, we had um, Smythe and Smith and Drin and in and out the squad and Theo Archibald, a, a lad who we'd never heard of from Lincoln come in he was unbelievable and then Kenny uh, was bereft of these players because they all got injured um, most of them around the same time or there was overlaps of them coming back and one coming back and one going out and so on so but he tried to stay with the system that had worked so well with those players and it just didn't work for him and I think he then started to freeze players out and you could see the practice yeah, Darren Pratt is an experienced player and he was our team captain and he was being not only left out of the starting 11, but actually left out of the match day squad. Something was wrong there. Connor Wood, same, same treatment. It it was bizarre what was going on there. You know, we weren't doing well in games and here he was leaving, you know, natural players in certain positions out and putting square pegs in round holes to plug those gaps. It it was just unbelievable. He kind of 
lost the plot a little bit and he just wasn't adapting to to the circumstances that he found himself in. And I think that was ultimately, you know, his downfall. Do you think maybe the fact that it was players coming in and out of the team, was that was that why you were so inconsistent in terms of when you won games? Because when you won games, you were doing it at a canter. You know, we, we went through a few of them there, you know, 4-1s, 4-0s, 3-0s, you know, but then... Your defeats would be kind of like one nils or or the occasional two one, and a, a lot of draws in there as well. Especially sort of around about you know the time that we actually played at Sixfields. I mean that was back at the end of November. We win one nil. I mean I remember at the time thinking that oh it was us that set you on your way to you know reversing your good form. But actually when I look back at the fixtures, your very next game. Uh, I mean, that was a Football League trophy, second round penalty defeat to MK Dons. We'll ignore that. But, you know, you beat Tranmere in your very next game 4-0 in the FA Cup second round. Then you beat Swindon 4-1 at home. And it's only then after that that you have a couple of bad results. You know, you, you lose at home to Crawley. You get a man sent off in that. Tranmere get revenge by winning 1-0 at Prenton Park. You lose out. And, and in fairness, it's Stoke City that you lose to in the FA Cup. I I, I wouldn't say happy, but that's an okay result. It was only 2-0. We played, well. we played well. If we were slightly more clinical in that game, that wouldn't have been 2-0. They had two chances all game and scored them and won the, won the game. But if you look, Tranmere was on the 18th of December. Our next game wasn't until the 9th of January, three weeks later. And then our next league game wasn't until Port Vale on the 22nd of January. So our last league game in 21 was on the 18th of December. We didn't play a single game for over a month. Now, was that your team? I'm going to take it that this was a COVID thing. Was it your team that had the outbreak or was it the fixtures? Others. others, One or two were dubious. We were meant to play Bristol Rovers and there was footage of the team bus coming down the motorway only for it to get called off a couple of hours later strange shenanigans and it just all of a sudden people had COVID and and mixed with injuries as well to their squad so they couldn't field the prerequisite amount of of players for the match day squad so but anyway you know it is what it is but it just seemed to dive downhill quite quite sharply after the Stoke game so I don't know what had been going on we don't know what's happened but it was Pretty shocking stuff for us, to be honest. It looked like the players had come back and there was a pub team that had suddenly morphed into our players. Didn't look like they'd never played with each other before. You know, we're losing 1-0 at home to Colchester, who are, you know, by this point, down the bottom, fighting. We're kind of being dragged into that as well. Absolutely shocking. Unbelievable, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had to check this three times now while you were talking, Paul. You didn't win a game. So your, your win, last win was um, that game against Swindon game, the 7th of December. You win 4-1 and you do not win a single game. 17-odd games, I think it was. Or <laughs> Until the, games. Yeah, the 19th of March where you beat Rochdale 3-1. That is incredible, that run. I mean, you must have been just, just pulling your hair out as a Leighton Orient fan going, what is happening here? Hundred percent. Yeah, we. Th- this is the whole downfall of of what what was the end of Kenny Jackett's reign as manager. I mean, we 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 a draw was a good result for us. I mean, it's it, it's shocking considering we were top five earlier on in the season. I mean, you look at the league now, and it obviously tells a much truer picture of where 
how it's going to end up. But at that particular point, you know, we were flying high, beating teams, as we've said, 4-1, 4-0, 5-0s, those sorts of things. We did all right in the FA Cup. No shame to lose out to to Stokeside, who had good players in their squad that day. They took it seriously, gave us the respect. Um, but to then be losing at home to the Carlisles and uh, we lost at home to Bristol Rovers and Salford and, and Exeter's away and, you know, Colchester at home. It's just unacceptable. It just wasn't wasn't right. And, you know, arguably he should have been fired sooner um, to help prevent the arrest that we were very, very clearly in. And you could very clearly see that the, he'd lost the dressing room and the players weren't playing for him. And there was a very, very bad atmosphere around the club, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, you know, no, no engagement on social media from any of the players, certainly not like what we're seeing now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can very... And, and there seemed to be a quite a detachment between the fans and the first team. And I don't just mean the players, I mean the, the management as well. And it's just very disjointed and not what we're used to because we've got a very good communications route with the club. And that's led from uh, the owners and the board of management all the way through. So, you know, we rarely heard, we had minimal amounts from Kenny Jacket. Um, his answers were always on point, but you know, he, he was a man of few few words and he just didn't really seem to get any kind of, well, there's a problem, yeah, but I don't know how to fix it was the kind of gist of what was, he didn't really come up with uh, solutions on how he's going to fix the problem and, and, and what he's going to do. Um, so, yeah, we, we ended up firing him and Matt Harold came in and, and got us a couple of, couple of well, I think two or three draws, I think it was, and handed over to, to Richie Wellens and, uh, yeah, he got a South North win of the year of 2022 on the 19th of March. I mean, it's unbelievable, honestly. It really is. How worried were you about relegation, Paul? Was it, yeah? Seriously worried. It was a serious concern for us at a point uh, because we weren't winning games and we couldn't see us winning games. There was no bright sparks in any of our games, really. Um, it, it, you know, We weren't scoring. Games were tight. Uh, we were missing the few opportunities that we were creating. You could see the lack of confidence. We weren't clinical enough in both boxes. It's as simple as that. We weren't good enough at keeping the odd goal that would win a game out or two goals in some cases. Um, and we weren't clinical enough defensively and we weren't clinical enough in, in attack. And the distance of ground between the midfield and the defence and the midfield and the attack was just... It was just too vast and there was no connection. And therefore, we then went long ball to, to Harry Smith, who isn't a long ball merchant, strangely. <laughs> no, as we fully well know. Yeah. Um, so Richie Wellens comes in. What what does he do? What does he change? Yeah, I think it was a, an attitude change. There's some footage that the club, some really great insight that the club have actually put out uh, from his first um, kind of meeting with the players on the first day of training after he was appointed. And it's about buying into a culture, creating an all-in culture, which sounds really straightforward, maybe a bit blue sky for some people, but actually these, these people can play football. There's no question about that. What they don't have is confidence. And that's what he identified straight away. Um, and that's what he worked really, really hard to bring in is a culture that we're all in this together. We work hard as a team together and good things will come. After that, he's then looked to, to kind of 
bridge the gap between the midfield and the defence and the midfield and the attack. So it's a more structured approach to how our games are to be played. There's a high press now in our game. We don't let the opposition have the ball uh, for long. We don't sit back too much. You know? We're very much in faces and the fitness levels have probably gone up a, a notch or two um, because of this high press. And, uh, you know, uh, Harry Smith had to come off after about an hour because he'd run so much and so hard that he was in danger of possibly cramping or injuring himself because he's not used to doing that. He's not been asked to do that kind of role in the past. So, you know, he, you know, Richie Wellens is very astute, very well aware, um, quite surprised at how it's not worked out for him in his previous role at, at, at Salford or uh, with our previous opponents from Monday uh, at Swindon. I believe there was behind-the-scenes problems at Swindon, but that aside... His team that he brought to us when they got promoted out of the league, uh, from memory, were one of the best, if not the best side that we've probably ever seen down in, down at us in the last few years because they had a high-press mentality. They wanted the ball back. They made space for each other. They ran their socks off for each other and it showed in the result and ultimately their, their promotion. So I think ultimately what he's bought is... Uh, a bit of structure to the team, <clears throat> an understanding of how he wants to play, why he wants to play that way, and just basically giving the players a confidence to do what they need to do and probably not overloading them with information. Yeah. I mean, the record under Welland speaks for itself, in fairness. Played 10, won six, drawn two, lost two. And I mean, seven of those 10 games have all been away from home. He's done an incredible job. Unbelievable. What a turnaround. We couldn't buy a win pre uh, we couldn't buy a win this year. And then come the 19th of March, we go and beat Rochdale at home with an on, on the road for a rearranged game against Harrogate. We win that 3-0. That game was rearranged from a time under Kenny Jackets. So, so we then that then got snowed off at the last minute. So fortunately, then we've gone to Harrogate, got three points and three goals from Harrogate, clean sheet. Then we've got Barrow at home, uh, who are also in a relegation fight. We beat them 2-0, so that's a second clean sheet. So now we're talking here, we scored um, eight goals in three games and conceded one goal. I mean, our goal difference is stupendous for, at the time when we were in the lower part of the league, everyone's in minus and we're in plus two, at one point, double digits. And then we got down to about eight, uh, plus eight, but that's still an extra point to get around the teams, for the teams around us to actually have to get. Yeah, um, you've, got, you've which, got a goal which, difference currently of plus 16 and you're 13th. Yeah, it's incredible. But most of that has been rebuilt because that dropped quite dramatically. Um, that dropped around uh, the time that Kenny was, was sacked because we, we're just conceding goal after goal after goal. It's just unbelievable. A draw was a welcome result, as I say, at one point. Um, yeah, but but here we are now. Um, talking about a Leighton Orient side who are around mid-table, nothing to play for, but actually can still have a massive say in how this league ends up because we've got new guys who are vying for promotion automatically. We then got Crawley the following week who are just above us and mathematically can still make the playoffs. Realistically, probably won't, but mathematically can. And then the last day of the season, we've got seventh place Tranmere. So who knows what the league will look like then? It's incredible. The, the tightness of this division this season is absolutely brilliant uh, in, in one way. I, I was talking to somebody else the other day about this and, and saying how I'm so pleased that we're in amongst it ourselves because actually 
I'd be quite jealous if I wasn't. Mm. <laughs> you know, we are. <laughs> we are. And funnily enough, that's what Richie Wellen said to the team um, post-Swindon. Again, some more great content that came out of the club. You know, Richie's like, I don't want to be at this stage of the season coming here with nothing to play for. And that was uh, against Swindon on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, on Easter Monday. You know, we don't want to be just playing for mid-table uh, placement. We want to be the same as you guys, ultimately, where you are, having something to fight for. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned before, when we were talking about some of the players that that Kenny Jacket brought in in the summer, obviously quite big names in there, Darren Prattley mentioned, for example. Do you think that you're going to be able to keep hold of those players now that Jacket's gone? Because I, I imagine, and maybe it's me being cynical, but... I can't see you having signed those players without having the big-name manager. I agree, but I think he undid any goodwill or intent from those players by the way he treated some of those players and how he lost the dressing room. And I think now that they can see with a Richie Wellens-type manager that we have now got, the type of manager, sorry, that Richie Wellens is, let me word that properly, um, I think that we have a greater chance now of signing those players where once upon a time... Six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, I'd have said they're all off. They'll all look for new clubs. They're not going to want to play under that guy. They're not going to want to play under Kenny Jacket. Look how he's treated Darren Prattley, Connor Wood. Look how he's treating the Smiths and the and, and so on and, and, and some of the younger players as well. Um, they're not going to want to stay and play under someone that treats them like that. Darren Prattley only signed a one-year contract with us. I, th- th- there is a an extension clause in there if he meets a certain amount of games uh, that he plays throughout the season, which I believe he's more than met that now. So uh, I'm sure there's a conversation to be had there. But um, I think now with with the way that the lads can see that Richie Wellens is and the type of manager that he is and how he wants the team to play and, and what can come of it, because he's proved it, he's got a, a model for success uh, from his time at Swindon when he took them up a couple of seasons ago, um, that actually... Good times can be had here at Orient. They don't need to go anywhere else. Quite crucially, Ruel Soturio is out of contract at the end of this season. We'd love to keep him um, and hopefully we can, but he might have his head turned. You know, he had a great march, won awards and all sorts, and it's put him on lots of clubs' radars. And I don't blame them for that because he's a great, I think he's a great talent. He's only 2021 Cyprus International. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it'd be interesting to see who we can keep but I think crucially who he'll let go and who he'll bring into the club to help deliver on what, what he can deliver and what he's delivered in the past. So promotion push next season then you're thinking. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record and think that every season we're going for promotion, but you've got to start out somewhere. You've got to start at the top and your expectations are kind of managed just after Christmas, aren't they? To see how you've done Absolutely. Well, look, let's um, let's move on to this weekend's game. So, first off, we've mentioned a few of them already, but uh, just want to go through a couple of the players. Harry Smith, we know all about him. He's so far got so far got fifteen goals. Uh, Aaron Drinnen has also got fifteen goals, which is incredible for a strike partnership to have thirty goals, um, regardless of whatever stage of the season they got those in. Then, of course, you've mentioned Omar Beckles as well. You've just mentioned uh, the young lad from Cyprus. Anyone else we should be looking out for at all on Saturday? I think if you overlook Aaron Drynan, I think you're making a massive mistake. His his work rate is absolutely phenomenal. He works so, so hard. It's absolutely uh, 
breathtaking at times. He, he's not scored that many goals in the in the recent time, um, but what he does for the rest of the team to create opportunities to tear defenses apart and to then play in other players is is exactly what we need. And you can't be scoring all the time. You do need someone to do that hard work, and he does that tremendously well. Um, I think we'll have Hector Kipriano suspended for this one. Uh, he had two yellows on on Easter Monday, uh, but I suspect Ethan Coleman will probably come in and, and partner Darren Prattley uh, there as well. But uh, again, you know, we've got an experienced back line with Adam Thompson, um, uh, Omar Beckles. We've got young talent, Shadrach Ogi, who's up for a young EFL uh, Player of the Year award. Um, and we've got Connor Wood, who's got a, a great cross on him at, at left back. And I think it'd be hard pressed to, to be... Lawrence Vigoru in goal with an easy tap in. I think that will, you know, he's a great goal goalkeeper as well. And as I say, move, moving forwards on attack, we're lightning fast. Paul Smythe, you, you know, you keep an eye out for number seven um, because he's just electric. He's got a low centre of gravity. He turns on a sixpence and and tackle him and make those challenges and and you'll get a free give get given a free kick and Archibald will pull it in and 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 one of the big lads will uh, finish the move off with a goal. I mean, that's what happened at Swindon. It's what's happened before. You know, so Theo Archibald is one to look out for as well. Attack, we are frighteningly good. Um, it, it's just shocking how it's not been well used throughout this season and, and, and how we're sitting here talking about us being in mid-table instead of in the in and around the playoff mix. Well, let's very quickly talk about the playoff mix. And it's that time of the season where things are about to be decided. Who do you think, Paul, is going to join Forest Green in League One next season? Well, I think I think it will be Exeter. Uh, I think there's there's good grounds there. Um, you look at the league form at the moment for the last five games, and everyone in the top seven has lost one game. There's there or thereabouts. There's there's you know Tranmere slightly worse off that they've drawn three of their last five, lost one and won one. Uh, there's a couple of sprinklings of draws in there, but everyone has lost one game. So, you know, at the crucial part of the season, you don't want to be racking up the L's, obviously. I know it's a bit of a captain obvious statement to make, but, you know, it, like you said before, it's about consistency. So you need to see the wins. And um, yeah, I, I, Bristol Rovers, I think, have got a good chance of potentially gate crashing the automatics. Um you also on form have also got that as well. Um, I don't necessarily. I know it's a difficult one. It's I, I, hard, I isn't it? it this is really the issue is. that we've got. Is it's so difficult looking at the league table? You just go, my God! It could be literally anyone from about. I, I'd, I'd probably go sort of Newport, Swindon upwards. You know, it's the top eleven all within a chance of promotion. Crazy. Yeah, certainly them for the playoffs. But in terms of auto, I think it would probably be as you see, as you see it now with Forest Green, possibly Exeter, and maybe as a late runner, late entrant to the race, Bristol Rovers. Well, I wouldn't put my house or my mortgage <laughs> on it. But, no. <laughs> you know, with my crystal ball out and shiny, possibly Bristol Rovers. Okay, let's just very quickly go to the bottom. Who's going down with Scunthorpe? Is it going to be Oldham, Stevenage or Barrow? Who's your money on for that? Probably Oldham. They won a couple of games. They beat us and they followed that up with another win. 
but since then they've lost. Whereas Stevenage's form is now, you know, out of their last five, uh, their last three, they've won two, drawn one. So you'd argue, even with a game in hand, that if they can draw or win that, it just puts it just puts it beyond Oldham, which is a shame for Oldham because their problems are not their own making. It's their poor ownership, which is a shame. And I don't know what's gone on at Scunthorpe with their, why they've been so poor, even with Keith Hill as well. But to your point, I, I, I'd, you know, Barrow have also got a game in hand over Oldham as well. So, yeah, unfortunately, I, th- I think it probably will be Oldham. Okay. Well, look, before we do uh, a prediction for the game on Saturday, um, we always ask one very, very important question, Paul. Now, you've already talked about your set plays in an attacking sense, but what we really want to know is how are you at defending set pieces? I think there's a bit of a mixed reaction to that, to be honest with you. I think sometimes we're on point and like any other average League Two side, sometimes we let ourselves down. We scored a tremendous one. If you look at our highlights against Swindon from uh, from Monday, um, you know Omar Beckles does extremely well to to meet Theo's cross and and, and bury that past Woolacott. Um, but then, if you look at our highlights from our Scunthorpe game on Easter Friday, you know different goals from different scorers. So, um, and sorry, that's not really answering your question. But we we you know sometimes we can turn it on and just punt everything out, and there are other times it's like, oh come on, guys, that was a simple tap in for someone. Uh, why are we not doing better there? So there's a bit of a mix there. I think uh, I don't know. I'm sure Richie will, will, will drill them well enough that we won't be giving ground up on the uh, set defensive set pieces okay okay it's very interesting how when we look back at the games it's our main strength I would say so yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting I think well look it's time for some predictions and, and I want to get your in a minute uh, Paul I want to get your marks out of 10 for this jingle I predict a riot I predict a riot or a ball draw that's from our listener, Dan Darwood. Thank you very much, Dan. <laughs> what, what do you reckon, Paul? Enjoy that? Uh, well, yeah, I, I, you know, low effort, but but high, uh, higher on the uh, entertainment. Uh, <laughs> on the entertainment. He, he won it on that last sentence. But uh, no, well, well played, fair play. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so prediction-wise then, um, I'll, I'll let you go first as, as the guest. Brisbane Road, Saturday, three o'clock. What are we thinking? Uh, I'm pleased you say Brisbane Road because I still think of it as Brisbane Road. Even oh, of course, Port- nonsense, Port- all this sponsorship garb. Don't yeah. don't think about that. Not at all. Absolutely. Um, I'd be happy with a one-all draw. See, now that's what you're going to be happy with, but what do you think is going to happen? I'm going to push you. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. I think okay. that will be. I think that's what will happen. I think you know you, we've got similar form going into this. I think you've obviously got a lot more riding on it, but we've also got a lot of pride to play for. And Richie won't let them uh, rest on the thirteenth place. You know we want to be pushing on. So yeah, and, and and having our say on on how the league goes. We don't want to be giving or helping others and not. You know it's it's all got to be done properly and professionally. So yeah, I think a one-all draw. I like that. I like that talk of doing everything properly and professionally. Personally, uh, I'm going to go with a 2-1 win for the Cobblers, only because uh, we've got to go for it now. And in our last couple of games, our front three have really, really gelled and and become a a force to be reckoned with. Their, Their understanding of each other is just 
growing game by game, minute by minute. It's it's really good to see. So I, I will take everything that you said on board, Paul, but I reckon we'll just manage, I, I don't know, with a bit of will, there is always a way. So therefore, we'll get the extra goal. It might be, you know, a very tight game, I still think, but I, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm praying that we will get um, get the win to keep up the pressure, essentially, on that third automatic promotion spot. It might not be uh, by any means uh, guaranteed, even if it is a possibility. But, um, you know, I, I really want us to keep going. This is going to go down to the last game of the season, I am pretty sure. So um, thank you very much for joining us, Paul. It's been a pleasure having you back on. Thank you for that. Where can we find you and your pod on the old social medias. Perfect. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us again. Good to chat to you guys and wish you all the best after Saturday for the rest of the season. Um, and good luck in the uh, in, in the promotion chase. Yeah, we're at Orient Outlook on social media. On Twitter, we're Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Just search Orient Outlook uh, podcast. We're not on um TikTok or Snapchat or, or anything like that. We, we keep it to Instagram, Facebook and, uh, and, and Twitter. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Paul. And thank you for listening as well. We'll be back in your ears, of course, on Tuesday morning with all our reaction to this one. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.